And we're back, generations, talking about my sports generations. And I'm Jonathan. I'm Steve. And I just, you know, we're coming off of Thanksgiving. We're going into the holidays. And I just want to say thank you so much to all of our listeners. We're over 1,300 listens now. And we are... Our each episode is climbing every single day, and we're getting more and more people that are listening to each episode. And I just want to say thank you. And I know, Steve, you had some things that that you wanted to kind of put out there before we get rolling. So go ahead. Um, well, the the main thing is, of course, the party, but it the the listens are coming from all over. So I guess now we've got people from Japan and parts of Europe and all over. So, like I say, no, no transportation, but we will announce uh, the actual date of the pizza party, so that, that's the that's the takeaway. Ventura Pizza Party will announce it for the next show for sure. And then I I, I second my uh, host co-host uh, comments. Anyone who listens, we hope you're enjoying it. This is all about having a good time, about talking about sports, which we all love. Talking about how different generations look at it differently, and uh, we're having a blast. I hope you guys are too. So with that. I think today is a, uh, you know, very interesting topic because, you know, as a kid, you know, I had these thoughts of of how we're what we're going to talk about not being too coy. And then how I see it today is quite a bit different. And so just in my own lifetime, I think through this topic, I view the lens of, of what it is quite differently. So. With no further ado, just go ahead and, and lay it down for the listeners. Okay, everybody. Who would not want to retire? I retired at 59 and a half. I could still do the work, but I was tired of it. I, I'd been a public defense attorney for over 32 years, and it just worn me down. And even though the last, like, 10 years I was a manager and a, a, a department head, still it was, it was done. And um, But... You know, there are lawyers who practice into their 60s and 70s and actually are pretty good. Uh, the the doctor I saw before I, I left him was in his 70s. So, you know, different people have different dates. But with athletics, it's different. And with athletics, you know, father time catches up to everybody with the possible exception of Satchel Page. And, you know, there's a shelf life for it. So we want to talk about super seniors, people who play really well into their into their late years and and you know the obvious example as of like yesterday was lebron who at 38 is just still dominating guys you know literally half his age but what i want to do to frame this and since it's his generations talk about my generation talk about two people who retired in my opinion the right way and two people who didn't and they're all four of these guys are among my favorite athletes so the guys who did it the right way for different reasons in 1966 Sandy Koufax was 27 and nine. I mean, can you imagine that? I, I think since then only a couple of guys have won more games. I know Danny McLean did, but I mean, he was he Bob was Welch. the best. He was the best pitcher in major leagues, bar and away. But he retired at the age of 30. He had to though because of the arthritis in his, in his elbow. He couldn't really do it anymore, so he bowed out. A year earlier, another guy, very different. I mean, they actually probably couldn't be much more different. Um, personally, but he dominated also was Jim Brown. And in Jim Brown's last year, which is 65, 
He rushed for over 1,500 yards, 17 TDs, and was the MVP of the league. But he got in a contract beef with Art Medell, and he was into social issues. He also had a very lucrative payday in Hollywood with with one of them, um, just a, a little tip to the uh, little tip to our listeners. His first movie is one of my favorites, all movies of all time, The Dirty Dozen. And it's just, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times. It's embarrassing to say how many times I've seen it, but well over a dozen. And I like, you know, Telly Zavallis and Charles Bronson and Ernest Borgnine and George Kennedy and Trini Lopez, the list goes on. But Jim Brown quit football at the height of his career. So those two guys did it, in my opinion, the right way. Two other guys who I loved did it the opposite way. And, and one was my favorite baseball player of all time, Willie Mays, who, you know, had 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 a legacy with the Giants that was phenomenal. He could do it all. I mean, your classic five five tool guy, hit, run, hit for power, throw, the whole bit. And uh his last two years of the Mets were not very good. And and at most people remember that I think it was a 73 series Mets against the A's, and there's this famous picture of Willie. At home plate, arguing with an umpire. He didn't get thrown out, but Bud Harrelson got thrown out. And it was just kind of pathetic about how he was trying to do his thing and he couldn't do it. He, I think he lost a couple of fly balls in the sun and and just wasn't that good. But the worst by far was Muhammad Ali at 38 in 1980, fighting Larry Holmes and just getting battered. He's 38 years old. It's clear he's got Parkinson's. Somehow they 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 clear him to box and it's painful for everyone to watch. So that's the wrong way to do it. The wrong way to do it is to keep going and, and playing and, and performing and competing when you really can't do it anymore. And, and it just doesn't work that way. And it's sad that a lot of people's last memories are of of Willie Mays on the Mets and Muhammad Ali against against um Larry Holmes. I mean, I, I remember Muhammad Ali before he went to prison. I mean Talk about float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. He he was, you know, he was possibly the best best heavyweight of all time. And and Willie Mays, you know, was phenomenal. So it's it's tricky as to what people do, but uh, you know, everyone gets to, you know, in sports you don't get to pick your retirement. I guess I guess that's my point. In sports, it, it kind of says it for you. And what do you think, Jonathan? So because of that, and you kind of touched on something here that and what I alluded to at the very beginning, when I was younger. And, you know, when uh, being a football was my favorite, and I think we've talked about this a little bit. You know, I remember being five years old and watching the Steelers in the Super Bowl, and I remember just being a rabid NFL fan. I wouldn't become a baseball fan until after my grandfather's passing in 1983. And basketball, in theory, I was a fan very early. Again, I think I mentioned seeing the advertisements for Converse shoes for Dr. J on the back of comic books. And so it was really this myth of Dr. J not actually being able to watch the games. And you really couldn't watch the games consistently in in Sacramento until the early 80s. So that 1983 Philadelphia 76ers and, and, and the Lakers is kind of the first real one I remember watching. And then the one that you were able to actually watch all the playoffs was really that 85-86 season when the Kings moved from Kansas City to Sacramento. Then we were able to watch the entire playoffs. So we saw the entire playoffs. That's when Ralph Sampson had the goofy kind of, I don't even know what you want to say it, but he had that weird kind of rebound put back against the Lakers to win the West. And then they would go on and have the series against the Celtics where you had the fight with DJ and, and Ralph Sampson and the Celtics would win. So in my early fandom, I used to think 
you know, this guy's garbage. Why is he still hanging on? And that was very much my thought process for a long time. You know, why is this person like, let's take Pete Rose as an example. So, you know, Rose was player manager, you know, in 85 and 86 for Cincinnati. And he would put himself in to pinch hit in games and I'd watch him against the Giants. I'm like, man, this guy's a joke. Like he's he's nothing like he was, you know, when he was younger. And then this guy is like so cocky that he thinks that, hey, I'm still good enough to come in here and get a clutch hit. And then, you know, at the age of 44, he actually made the all-star game, which isn't necessarily indicative of the season that you're having. And then in 86, he was 45, but he batted 264 and 219, respectively. He had a slugging percentage that was 319 and 270. So, I mean, he's not putting any charge in the ball. And I thought, why is this guy doing this? This is a joke. You're embarrassing yourself. And now that I'm on the opposite end of that, I look at it as, man, take it if you can get it. Look at, you know, using another example, let's go with Robert Parrish. Robert Parrish basically sat on the bench his last three years in the league with the Bulls. And, uh, you know, he'd end up getting getting a couple rings from that. Just being on the bench and being a mentor player. He was 42, 43 years old those last couple of years. And you see something similar with Udonis Haslam. So I used to think that, hey, hang it up. You know, it's not in you anymore. But man, if somebody's willing to pay you and they they value, you know, whether it's leadership or just presence on the bench, more power to you. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I I mean I understand why people keep playing. I, I just I just think it's fun to talk about the people who keep playing and and do it at a real high level. And one other thing I want to bring up, because I, I I just read this the other day as and I was, I was researching some stuff. I mean, Ted Williams, who I, I think is arguably the greatest left-handed hitter in baseball history. And I think 38 or 39 years old, he hit 388. I mean, that's just unbelievable. And, you know, you got to figure he's not getting infield hits. I mean, he couldn't run. He was never, I think he was fast when he started, but by the time, you know, he he was ending. But I mean, that is pretty amazing. So I'd like to draw a distinction between, and, and nothing against Robert Paris or, I can never say the guy's name, the guy in the heat, Udellis Haslam or whatever Udonis Ham- Haslam, yeah. Udonis, who is, by all by all accounts sounds like a total class act, but I like the guys. I, I I'd like to focus on the guys who play and and really do it well at 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 that age. And you know, Ted Williams. I mean, you know, I know I'm getting off topic a little bit, but Ted Williams lost a lot of years for his military service, years where he was in his prime. I, I think both in World War II and Korea. And you know, he he could have easily had. 175 more home runs. I mean, he could, he could have done everything, but, uh, you know, he, he was a fighter pilot, a very, a very proficient fighter pilot. But anyways, um, you know, the guys nowadays, I mean, obviously a guy that jumps to mind right now is, is Nolan Ryan. I mean, Nolan Ryan pitched really well until the end and, and he never, <laughs> he didn't seem to have any arm problems. He brought the heat. I mean, I don't ever remembers him for, for giving Robin Ventura the noogie, but, um, he was, you know, he was a, a solid pitcher into his, I think, I want to say mid forties, at least early forties. And you know, that that's just, that's just impressive. I think, I think Roger Clemens was actually a pretty good pitcher in his forties. So some guys can do it and, and some guys can, and I'm, I'm with you. If, if you can play at a high level, that's great. Obviously football is very different because let, let's just say you're a defensive back and 
you've got the desire and you really want to play. But if you're running a 4-7-40, you know, these guys are run right past you for touchdowns, so you don't get a chance. But in football, you know, TB12, I mean, he he led Tampa Bay to a title, and I, I don't know if he's 40 or 39, but he was not a spring chicken, and he was operating at a very high level because, in my opinion, Tampa Bay was not that good of a team. I mean, they, they were a, barely a playoff team without Brady, and Brady turned them into Super Bowl champions. So some guys just can really just just get it done, and I, I think the sport we probably want to avoid talking about the most is boxing because it's just sad because all the a lot of these guys, you know, Aaron Pryor, Alexis Arguez, you know, uh, Ray Leonard, they, they get enticed to going in the ring more and more times. And, you know, not only do they destroy their legacy, but in, in Muhammad Ali's case, it's clearly aggravated his Parkinson's and probably made his last number of years uh, far less comfortable than they should have been. But baseball, what do you think? I mean, a lot, a lot of guys, you know, a lot, certainly a lot of pitchers do well in baseball late. What about position players? What do you think? I think, but first let's clear up a th- couple of things for some folks. So Brady in 2021 wins the Super Bowl. The Bucks go 13 and four. Tom Brady leads the league in completions and attempts, leads the league in yards, and leads the league in touchdowns with 43 at the age of 44. So get that cleaned up. Brady was 44 when this happened? Yes, and then he played one more season. So he played his 45th age year that's when he came back wow. when he said when he said psych i'm not leaving but i'm actually coming back and then nolan ryan pitched until he was 46 and his 46 season was eh, but his age 45 so the year prior he had a 372 uh, era not bad but he still struck out 157 batters in 157 innings so he's still averaging you know a strikeout and inning and into his his age 40 season 1987, he leads the league in ERA, leads the league in strikeouts. The following year, leads the league in strikeouts. The following year, at age 42, leads the league in strikeouts with 301. 301 strikeouts. Now, there's only a handful of people in Major League history that have reached 300 strikeouts. Like, that is rarefied air. And, of course, he holds the single-season record. But he still strikes out 301 and 239 innings for Texas in 1989. I think that is the infamous Robin Ventura year. And then in 1990, he leads the league in strikeouts yet again with 232. So he's 43 years old. And since you mentioned kind of some of these guys, there's a documentary, a new documentary out on Barry Sanders that uh, I've heard is is pretty good. And it's not very long. So I've, I've heard recommendations to do that, but Barry Sanders at age 30 retires, has almost 1,500 yards the year that he retires. And then there's also a documentary about Nolan Ryan, about how somebody wanted to see what it was like to hit against Nolan Ryan. And at the time, Nolan Ryan, I think, was 63. And <laughs> even at the age of 63, a younger writer, you know, I guess he gets blown away, you know, by a 63 year old Nolan Ryan just to give you kind of some of those uh, background and catch us up with some of the things that you were talking about. But back to position players, the guy that was amazing, like during my lifetime, during my, you know, peak of fandom, you got to talk about the guy who won a batting title in three different decades. Number five, third base, George Brett, Kansas City Royals. I mean, he's an original Royal. He's the guy that took this, 
expansion franchise and immediately made them very, very competitive. And if you go back and look at the years and the years they were losing to the Yankees in the playoffs, I mean, they finally get the World Series in 85, but I mean, they were very much there at the cusp multiple times. And you could say, hey, if things just went the right way for for Brett, you know, he could have had three, four, five, maybe even six World Series. Well, Brett's a Southern California guy. And, and the interesting thing about George Brett is if you read anything about him, you know, he was uh, he was the baby brother to uh, Ken Brett, who was a good pitcher and a good hitter at the same time. And there's stories about, you know, it's kind of one of these things where the dad, for whatever reason, picks Ken and and rags on George. And, you know, George could never do enough to to be seen in his father's eyes. And it just motivated him crazy to 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 play well. But, yeah, George, George Brett was a phenomenal player and you know for a position player i mean it, it's hard because i mean I, I suppose it's hard for a pitcher also but you know it just strikes me that nolan ryan being just a, an exception because he's he's just he's barely a, a mortal he's 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 so above everyone else but most pitchers you know they, they lose a couple of miles on their fastball and they 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 mix it up they they become maybe not a junk ball pitcher but they they change speeds. They do a lot of things. You know, batters. If you you know you don't have the bat speed, you don't have the bat speed. I mean, you can't just go from a power hitter to like a punch and Judy hitter. So a guy like George Brett, who I I believe he had a real one of his last years, he had a real high average. So you know, I mean, it's 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 fun to it's fun to see, and you know, I I think it's interesting. Also, George Brett, although I know he's in management now with the Royals. I mean, I think now. Oftentimes the players are just enticed by these monster paydays. Um, you know, back in the day, they were, I mean, you know, Jim Brown, they wouldn't even give him a regular contract. So he quit. Sandy couldn't pitch. But a lot of these guys, you know, they're just they're 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 doing it either for the love of the game, they've got nothing else going on, who knows what. But now the money they throw at these guys, yeah, it it it's it's not surprising. And I think in the NFL, I, I'm pretty sure I looked at this, whether it's the Steve DeBergs or the Joe Flacco's, there are a lot of guys in their 40s who play quarterback. And I think that's Primarily because the quarterback position is so complicated, most people can't get it. So if you have someone who can manage the manage the flow, it's all right. I mean, if, even just I think last week, uh, Joe Flacco came out of retirement for the Browns because uh, Sean Watson's done for the season and DTR had a concussion, and they they pick up this guy who you know who who can do it. And I think in his only game he threw a couple of TDs, but I think there are, I think quarterbacks in their forties is not as uh, as as surprising as it used to be. Yeah, and even, I mean, even going back, right? Vinny Testaverde, he played until he was 44. He he played in seven total games. He started six games at age 44 for Carolina that needed him to come off the bench. George Blanda, of course, even before course that. Now, now, of course, Blanda, right, he, he switched positions. He was kicking and not necessarily always uh, playing quarterback. But, you know, quarterbacks, I think, have some longevity, you know, Back to George Brett real fast at age 37, 1990. That's when he won his third batting title to have a batting title in three different decades. He would play four more seasons. Fun fact, the guy that moved Brett off of third base was in, in his rookie year, 1987, was a guy named Kevin Seitzer. And Kevin Seitzer would actually have over 200 hits his rookie year and was just a phenomenal player. And, and I immediately became kind of a fan of Kevin Seitzer's and, um, you know, he moves Brett to first, which was a big deal, right? Brett had been a third baseman for, for his entire career at that point. And unfortunately for Seitzer, Seitzer would be 
he's kind of the guy that was the advent of the little extra little bit of shielding on the on the batting helmet you know that covers your jaw so he would take one to the jaw and um kind of almost ended his career i mean he ended up coming back played some years with cleveland but again kind of like dicky thong kind of like uh canigliaro that we talked about last show you know just not quite the same you know you get you get plunked like that and significantly changes your career but kevin seitzer was going to be the the next generation of George Brett, and it just never worked out. Well, that that's the whole that's the whole deal, which is there's so many obstacles to having a long career, and then to be able to do it at a an advanced age must really, I mean, it's real a real testament to their their dedication and and how they approach the game. Because you know, I mean, I, I think a better example of of, of and this might not be fair, but the modern day player is like a Dave Parker, right? I mean, Dave Parker for a number of seasons was, in my opinion, the best player in baseball. He could do it all. He could hit, he could hit with power. He was a good fielder, had a, had a cannon for an arm. He could do it all, but the lifestyle he led just wasn't conducive to staying in shape and he, he let it get away. And the guys who in their forties, you know, can can still do it is is pretty amazing. That's why, and I, I I know you're you know, I know you're not a Laker fan, but it doesn't matter because um, I was not a LeBron fan. I, I barely remember his first run through Cleveland. Um, when he did the whole Miami thing, I was turned off completely. And, I, and you know, the big three and the decision, I just thought it was way too orchestrated and pompous, and and I really didn't follow it that much. When he went back to Cleveland, I liked it because I I liked the fact that you know Cleveland had never won a title in years, and he was doing it for Cleveland. I'm I'm a I'm a Kevin Love fan, and before all the flat Earth comments, I really like Kyrie Irving. So it was, it was fun to see that that series against Golden State that Golden State should have won in five games, but for Draymond's you know little temper. But now that he's on the Lakers, I've been watching, and I watch. I don't watch as much as I used to, but I watch a number of games, and I'll just say you know. LeBron plays hard. LeBron runs the floor. LeBron gets the tough rebounds. Also, I mean, the Lakers really, I mean, they're not that good. I mean, they're okay. I mean, they, they got AD, but the rest of the guys are kind of mixed matches. And and LeBron does it all. He brings the ball up sometimes. He tends to guard the best defender. He he does it. And he is old. By, by basketball standards, he's an old man. And he puts it out there every night. I don't believe he, I mean, he take if he takes the night off he, he doesn't suit up if he suits up he plays hard and and it's fun to watch and I I'm just left with you just got to tip your hat to the guy because I mean the NBA is is such a speed league I mean guys fly up and down the floor they jump out of the gym and and you know it's hard to compete and I mean you know at at 38 you know I mean I know you play city you don't play city league basketball you play at a gym you know when you try and guard those 24 year olds you know that's not easy to do and LeBron's doing at this level and the, the idea that LeBron can you know I mean I, I guess KD's kind of got the same thing but I, I don't have the same affinity for KD in a lot of ways but you know LeBron at at his age with the way he's playing basketball. I, I think it really sets his legacy. And I'm just actually concerned that he's going to try and go one too many seasons. I, I would I would like to see him either have this season or next season's last one. You know, I know he wanted to play with his, his son, but with his son's health issues, that's probably off the table. But I just think that you don't want, I mean, you know, I mean, do you want to remember Michael Jordan as a wizard 
or do you want to remember him as a, a member of the championship bulls? And I would have liked to see Michael Jordan's last game be, you know, the championship game. He goes off in the sunset and smokes a cigar, hangs out, but people remember him with the wizards. He could still get 20 a game, but he wasn't the same. And, and you watch him and you say, yeah, that's not really a big deal. So you, you touch on something here that, that uh, I'll get to, but real fast. And this is more of an inside joke and an inside, uh, for one of our favorite listeners, and, and we want to give him a shout out here, but Austin Reeves is overrated. So outside of that. Um, he's not. He's, he's, said, a, he's an all-star. And I think someone just said that outside of Anthony Davis, the rest of the Lakers are scrubs. I'm pretty sure that's what you just said. But separate of that, back to Dave Parker. Dave Parker at the age 39 actually made the all-star game. He hit 21 home runs that year, 92 RBI. 289 batting average had a 118 OPS. So for the uninitiated, he was 18% better than the average major leaguer that year. And he would play one more season uh, at age of 40. And and you mentioned it, right? Dave Parker led, you know, ran hard. There's, there's pictures of him, you know, back with the pirates where they got all these guys, you know, the, we are family guys and they're all sitting there smoking, you know, heaters in the dugout, and, you know, he was notorious for for a lot of other things as well. And you talk about the longevity. The guy still played 19 years and he still was really, really good for 19 years. And then it makes it go, well, what if he had the modern advances of today? What if he had the travel of today? What if he took care of his body like LeBron? Like LeBron, I will say this. I have never been a LeBron hater. I have always admired LeBron because if you want to talk about the guy that was not only physically gifted, but he worked really hard to maximize his skills, to get better and to become a better player and to become a better person, presumably it appears because he's done a lot of great things um, for his community um, and for a lot of underprivileged folks and a lot of other areas. And that's the kind of guy that I admire. It's like, you know what? I, I'm the scrappy guy. I think you and I are very similar, right? We're, we're not that physically gifted, but, you know, you can you can play to effort. You can you can work hard. I think but I've got a better outside shots. But aside from that, yeah, that might be true. But, you know, I just put the, you know put that big butt on you and you, you know, you'll fly into the stands and I'll have 15 offensive rebounds. But aside from that, LeBron is that guy that, Hey, you know what? You're not going to beat me on a hustle. And Oh, by the way, I'm as athletic or more athletic than you too. So that's why I'm great. And so if you look at those Dave Parkers, yeah, he made it 19 years, but man, what if, what if he had that same, same ethic? What if he had the same advances, the same travel, the same health, healthcare, how much greater would Parker have been? Yeah, it's interesting. But I mean, a topic that I think is really interesting and and I think everyone can relate to it is, you know, sports is different. I mean, guys are acting, guys, actors are acting, you know, female or male, whether it's Meryl Streep or, or Jack Nicholson or whoever, into their 70s and 80s. I know I know women have a very difficult time finding roles because of the sexism of Hollywood, but that's that's another story. But they can act and and they can do stuff. And you know, the the news anchors on you know, whether whether it's Dan Rather or or, or Peter Jennings, they did it late into their 60s 
and <clears throat> newspaper people are, are doing it. Everyone can. I mean, every profession, in, in most professions, you learn your craft in your in your late 20s, early 30s. You hit your peak in your 40s, 50s, and then at your 60s, 70s, it's kind of golden time. But sports, no way, man. You 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 know, I mean, I I I don't know the stats, but I would seriously doubt if the average NFL player makes it to 30 years old in the league. I, I'm sure most of them are gone when they're 27 or 28. Basketball is probably similar. Baseball is a little different, but it's just the same thing where, you know, I mean, what's the difference between Dustin Hoffman and, and, you know, Dave Parker or whatever difference with Dustin Hoffman is, you know, he, he can keep acting and acting, and acting. He'll still get roles in his forties, fifties, sixties, Dave Parker, you know, you just name the guy, you know, they've got a window and that clock is ticking. And as we talked about another show, there's always some younger, stronger, faster guy coming up out of college, high school, wherever, who they can pay a lot less money to who replace them. And, and it's funny because, you know, sports is supposed to be this egalitarian thing where anyone can do, just come in and do it. But I, I understand why they're, they're, I wouldn't say jealous, but I understand why there is this, desire to keep going because they look around and, you know, if so LeBron's 38 and at 38, you know, actors are just kind of getting there. You know, they, they, they haven't got the, the, the middle, middle age look of, of whatever, you know, they're still the studs, but now they're going to morph into the kind of kindly uh, regular guys. And it's just, it's just tricky. So I've always thought that an athlete must really feel odd seeing that their shelf life is, is just so short. Yeah, uh, and it's, you know, that's where, you know, you started this off with some of the superstar guys, where I'm really impressed and where I'm always kind of like, wow, look what that guy did. Like, look at Jerry Royce. I thought that dude was ancient when I was in high school. And Jerry Royce, for those that don't know, he played 22 years in the league. He made one all-star team. He led the league in games started in 1973 with 40. He led the league in walks that same year, 117. He led the league in hitting batters with 10 the year prior. This is all early in his career. And then in 1980, he would make his one all-star team, and he had six shutouts that year. Um, He actually finished second in Cy Young voting as well, and that's it. His career, I mean, he was solid. He won double-digit games. He won 18 games twice. And even in his age 40 season, he started 26 games. Now, he had a whip, career whip of 1.325. So that means he's walking or giving up a hit 1.3, you know, over 1.3 times per inning, which is really, really high for, you know, if you're if you're an all-star player, you're you're 1.2 or lower. And even in some of his better years, you know, he barely scratches that. He has only a couple of seasons that are lower than 1.2. But the guy figured it out. He found his niche in the league, was able to last for 22 seasons, and he was a contributing member to his respective teams for 22 years. And then, oh, by the way, he got his, you know, he got his World Series in 81 with the Dodgers. So... Those are the guys that I just find, you know, you have Terry Mulholland is another guy that kind of lasted a really long time. You know, he was he was a rookie, you know, when I was in high school. He lasted similar kind of things. Now, 
is it a coincidence that, that these guys are all left-handed and back to your thing with the left-handers, you know, seem to last longer, but I, about, I just marvel at. How about Tommy John, right? 26 John. seasons, 26 seasons. And I think I'm looking right here in his 24th season, he went 13 and six with the Yankees. And I, I always had a fantasy of batting against Tommy John. Cause I watch, I'm like, man, this guy, this guy throws to 75 miles an hour, man. I will just, I will just line one to left field. And you know, I, how he got guys out, I have no idea, but, and, and you know, but he did. And, you know, obviously also he's, he's, he's very famous for his surgery. So he was one of these hard throwing guys who arm got mangled up and they tried something new on him. It was probably a uh, curl and Job and um, boom. Tommy John surgery. Now it's like, that's the name of it, but he played 26 seasons. So I'm with you. I mean, the superstars are one thing. There was a guy in the Dodgers that played forever. Manny Moda, Manny Moda. Manny he, he played, he played in the giants also on the pirates. But yep. when I, when I saw him, he was on the Dodgers and he was just like pinch hitter deluxe. He, he would sit in the dugout, eighth thing they'd bring him up and he just stroke one. He just, he was a hitting machine. He was a great hitter. And then after that, I think he, I think he coached for the Dodgers for like 20 years after that. He was kind of around all the time, but you know, he was this guy and, and I, I doubt he ever made a, a significant amount of money, but he was this guy that just could play and he could hit even in his forties, he could hit the ball really well. And, and just one of those things. And I, I'm, I'm probably more like you. I'm probably more intrigued by the everyday guy who can do it as opposed to the superstars who, I mean, like, let's just face it, you know, Nolan Ryan is, is, probably from another planet. I mean, the idea that he pitched, he threw as hard as he did without any arm problems, you know, just, just staggering. But the, the, the Jerry Royces and the Manny Motas, you know, it's kind of funny. These guys who just, who just stick around and do it. And a lot of them, I, I know we haven't hit on yet, but there are a lot of these like backup catchers who, who play forever. They, they don't play many games, but they're in a lot of seasons and, and they do it because I think, you know, it's a security blanket for the manager. They, they know they can count on them. They, they don't expect them to play 60 games a year, but maybe every, you know, eighth game or ninth game, they'll get in there and they, they will do things the right way. And, and I think a lot of times, like, like the dude on Miami, the, the basketball player, they're good examples. They, they, they're like, look, you know, I mean, obviously if you're in the NBA at 40 years old, you've got to take care of your body. You're, you're not out clubbing. You're not out partying. You're in the gym early. You're working out hard. And I, I, you know, from what I hear, He's, you know, one of the first guys at practice. He does everything the right way. And I think that rubs off. I know, I know Pat Riley. I mean, I don't, I don't know Pat Riley personally, but I do know Pat Riley's ethics. And I'm sure he says, yeah, you know, to the young guys, watch him. This is how you do it. You know, do not, you know, do not make a rain at the clubs and, and think you're the big man because these strippers are all over you. Be a professional. And he is a professional. And I, I think, the, I think that, if put it this way, if I was in charge of a team, I, I would have a guy like that on my roster. I'd think, yeah, 12th guy on the bench. I'd rather have him than some young hotshot who's going to, you know, implode everything. I'd rather have some guy who could say, yeah, to the young guys, watch him. Do it that way. He he does it right. He eats right, probably drinks very little, and, and parties very little, and is just a pro's pro. So... Here's another guy in the NBA to give you one of those other guys. And this is a guy that was around forever. And another guy that just, you know, we call him the lunch pail guys, right? His total time in the NBA was 24 years. He missed one season due to a knee injury. And this is in the, the late 80s when, you know, basically hack jobs and just some of the science was really just starting to come around. 
he actually retired for a year and then was coaxed into coming back in the mid 2000s. He's from L.A., played at Michigan State, one time all star. Wins a ring as a backup on the Spurs in 2003. And, you know, he was a good he was always known as a good rebounder, tough defender, had one season where he averaged 19 a game. That was in 93, 94 with the Hawks. And uh, he so that was his highest average on a full season. But he's 11 season with the Hawks, three seasons with the Rockets, three with Toronto, two with the Spurs, two with the Heat, one with Denver, one with the Warriors, one with Dallas. Kevin Willis, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Kevin. I mean, I I had no idea. I mean, when when you if you'd said to me Kevin Willis, I would say Hawks. You know, big man. Um, you know. Great battles with uh, great battles with Boston, you know, Tree Rollins, Kevin Willis, Dominique Wilkins. We at some point we need to have a show on Tree Rollins. Tree Rollins is a funny dude. But um, anyways, uh, yeah, I, I had no Whitman, idea. Doc Rivers. Yeah. I had no idea that, that that he played that long. And and to me, that that says something because Kevin Willis was a very talented guy, but he wasn't the most talented guy in the gym. So you you play the what if game. What you know? What if other people had had taken care of themselves that way? Um, I read something about Joe Johnson. So Joe Johnson was this interesting dude. I I didn't know much about him, but you know I watched him play a few times. I was like, wow, he can score on anybody. I mean, the Clippers. When I was a big Clipper fan, they had two not the same time. They had two sixth men. One was Lou Williams, and. Uh, the other was the guy he just retired. I, Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford. And they were, I mean, they're basically the same guy. You know, they they came in and no one could stop them. And I, I saw games where in a quarter they would have like, you know, 18 points. And it's just like, you know, they'd isolate them and they'd score. And it didn't matter who guarded them. It was, it was so fun to watch because I was a I was a big Clipper fan. And they just seemed like really good guys. And, and they just lit it up. And they both played a very long time, but that's kind of the deal where, you know, why if they were, if they could score 18 points in a quarter, why couldn't you do that? You know, a number of quarters, why, you know, the six man thing's kind of tricky because, you know, I'm not really sure why they weren't starters other places and why they kind of fell into the six man routine. But to me, in terms of longevity, yeah, you know, it, it makes sense. And I mean, there's a reason why we're not talking about any running backs who played into it till they're 40. You know, the running backs, you, you, there's nowhere to hide. You run up the middle, they beat the crap out of you, and your knees go away and your shoulders go away, and eventually you can't run, probably can't even walk. But in the NBA, if you're a guard and you kind of do your thing like that, I mean, Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford probably took a lot less punishment than Kevin Willis. And they played quite late, and they they were both really skilled. I don't know how long they played, but in my mind, they 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 did it at a high rate. I think at a pretty advanced age, if I'm if I remember correctly. So yeah, it's interesting, interesting concept, and and I, I like your Kevin Willis uh, example because to me that that really speaks volumes about about a lot about a, a you know Kevin Willis and what what basketball meant to him and what he meant to basketball. Yeah, so your ISO Joe, Joe Johnson, is number 48 all-time in scoring in the NBA at 20,407. So there's there's a lot of guys right around him. Pau Gasol, Bob Pettit, the Admiral David Robinson, George Gervin, LaMarcus Aldridge, Mitch Richmond, one of my favorites. 
Anton Jameson, another another warrior kind of sneaking in there, and Tom Chambers. So all those guys are within, you know, a few points of each other. So, I mean, he was – Joe Johnson's just one of those guys where, unfortunately, he just played on terrible teams. And when you're responsible for doing all the playmaking and you don't have anybody else to help you out, I, I think he's a great example of, you know, there's certain guys that – depending on who they play with and the offense that's done, they look better than they really are. I mean, there's this guy, Austin Reeves, like that guy looks great (laughs) playing with LeBron and you put him on a regular team. Austin Reeves is, you know, he's not even, you know, Scott Skiles is way better than Austin Reeves. I mean, come on, please. And, and I hate to, you know, compare another white guy to a white guy. That's probably pretty bad, but that's to play the race card. (laughs) Austin Reeves is actually a very good player and he's getting better. And okay. I, I think I think he gets a lot of hassle because of his uh, his pigmentation and the fact that he plays LeBron. But he's a, he's a solid solid player. He's not he's not an all star, but he's but he's really it's good. Okay. But but Joe Johnson, I mean Joe Johnson could walk down any street in America and no one would recognize him because he's unrecognizable. He's just he's this anonymous dude. But he could play basketball, and that that kind of gets to one of the one of the romantic mystical things about sports I like is you know I mean I, I know this is probably a really bad comparison, but who's better, Joe Johnson or Manu Ginobili? I mean, Ginobili was a great player. I I, I love Ginobili. I, I really liked how well he played, but he played on the Spurs. He he had a lot of luxuries going on with him that other teams didn't have. He had, he had, he had a great coach. He had the Admiral. He had Tim Duncan. He had Tony Parker. He had roles. He, he, had, he had Kawhi Leonard. He had, he had a role to play, and he could do it really well. And, you know, so a lot of it is you're, you're on the Pistons or the Jazz or some – crappy team with crappy management and they change guys every time, but you can get your 20 or you're on a good team and you fit in and it's tricky. So Joe Johnson, I feel um, is very underrated. And even late in his life, uh, when I saw him, I can't remember what team he's on at at last career, maybe in Utah, but he could score. I mean, they would put him in and he, he would use guys. He would just, you know, they'd isolate him and he would score. And that, that's how good he was. So it's interesting. So, uh, Randy Whitman might be the comp for Austin Reeves. And I hate to use another white guy to compare a white guy, but you know, it's the same guy. He's, he's solid. He's good. He's not like, you know, amazing. And he's, he gets, he, he gets your Manu Ginobili kind of thing where he's around some great players and he gets to be open and he gets to take some open shots and he puts them down. He's doing his job. He's doing his job. Awesome. Okay. Reeves. How about We're, switching sports? Yeah, yes. yeah, Jimmy Connors. Jimmy Connors played really well when he's older. I, I remember a game he played at the uh, U.S. Open. I was flying somewhere, and we had a layover. And he's, the game started, and we had a layover in I don't know where Baltimore or DFW or somewhere. And the the match was still on. And even in this airport, people were screaming for Connors. And it's funny because the older you get, you know, all of a sudden you pick up fans. Connors was never a very popular person i don't believe I, I, he not was not very likable <laughs> yeah maybe he's popular not likable. he's very arrogant um no one seemed to care for him he was kind of a jerk and then you know you get a little older and all of a sudden he's playing against these young guys and everyone loves him now it's, it's funny how that works the old underdog thing but you know in tennis it happens these guys can play uh, i mean at some point you know i mean i don't know how old federer was but uh you know People, you know, people can play to a certain point and it's okay. The the vicious sports, football, boxing, it doesn't work. And then actually another sport, which I, I know you're not overly fond of, but hockey, 
Gordie Howe, arguably the, the greatest player of all time, either here at Gretzky, he played in his mid-force. He played with his kids. He 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 made a comeback. He could still play hockey. He was just he was that good. So it's funny how that works. But uh, baseball, you can you can hang in there if you're if you know what you're doing. So you, you know you talk about tennis, and that was my dad's favorite sport. And my dad was actually a very prolific tennis player until he uh, blew out his knee in a non-sports injury. He fell out of the back of a pickup truck and. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we used to ride in the back of pickup trucks on the, you know, just on the edge like it was no thing with no seatbelts, no helmets, no nothing. It used to be perfectly fine way of, of being transported. But you, you talk about Connors and, you know, what's what do fans like better, especially fans across the generations? What's more interesting? Do you, do you like a guy Let's take Beyond Borg as an example, right? He sh his his star was so bright, and you know he retired early. But you have a Connors that grounded out and just kept playing, and he, I mean he was good. I'm not suggesting that Connors wasn't good. And then you have maybe the version of Borg, but that lasted with the Federers and the Jokers and the Rafas of the world, right? Those guys are playing at that level well into you know much later years than anybody else and it goes to show that you know they they're all i guess jokers now two up i think than the other than rafa and rafa's one up i think or two up on federer as far as majors but i mean what a, what a, what are the fans like of your era were they more appreciative of the guy that was just amazing for a short period of time or did they like the grinders or is that just a personal thing amongst all of us? I think it's a personal thing amongst all of us. I, I thought you were going with the underdog thing. So I remember, so in 1974, I'm a uh, junior in high school, and I, I like tennis a lot. I played tennis. I was decent at it, but it wasn't my best sport. But I remember there's this dude, this Australian guy named Ken Rosewell, and he was good. He, he'd won a bunch of titles. But Connors was really coming up, and they played in the Wimbledon finals, and it was just classic where, you know, Rosewell couldn't do anything. And I read a, I read a uh, interview afterwards where he lost the first two sets, 6-1, 6-1. And so the third set, he said, you know, I'm just going to hit out. Every swing I make, I'm going to hit it as hard as I humanly can. And he lost that one 6-4 because Connors was just younger, faster, and better. And I remember watching, and me, I, I mean, I just, I always root for the underdog. Doesn't matter. And, and sometimes in a match, I'll switch. I'll, whoever's whoever's losing, I like. I don't know. There's some some weird thing on me. But I remember watching and just thinking, I, I didn't feel good for Connors. I felt bad for Roswell when it was, was clear they could have played 100 sets and he would have lost 100 to nothing. He couldn't do anything. He, the other guy was just far better. And so I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think when the tables turned and the older guy really kind of gets into it and, and, you know, for whatever reason, the, the gods of sports kind of move and groove and the mojos it's working i think the fans really like that and and they can get behind these these older players that they can suck it up and really really do well so we've talked about a lot of these guys that were great for a really long time and we've been remiss possibly to even mention you know maybe it's not the true today but at one point he was the greatest basketball player ever and he's still at least in the conversation. But Kareem, Kareem was dominant for a very long time. And even at the end, 
he was still a very proficient player and he changed his game and he figured out how to play, you know, even though that he was, it was older and playing against these much younger and more athletic guys. But I mean, he was still there all the way in the 87 when, you know, you talk about the magic Johnson play against the, against the Celtics. But I mean, what if, you know, Kareem was doing a lot of things early. He was doing the Jeet Kune Do. He was doing a lot of yoga. He was doing a lot of these kind of, I don't want to say homeopathic. I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, but he was doing a lot of these alternate types of workouts to keep himself young and keep himself fit and keep himself, you know, on the court. And with the advent of modern medicine, you know, does Kareem play even longer than he already did? And would he have been dominant longer? I I think he hit on something very important, which is I would say the one thing these guys all have in common is is real high IQ. You know, they're smart. And because they they realize that, you know, maybe they could do it on skill at, at age 27, but not at age 37. So whether it's George Brett or Tom Brady or Kareem or LeBron or whomever it is, you know, I think I think the one defining factor that they all have is they are smart guys and they they do figure it out. And yeah, Kareem, Kareem was a very intelligent player and obviously a very intelligent person. A lot of interest. If you ever listen to his his uh interviews they're always well thought out he just he just in my opinion has very interesting takes on things i almost always agree with but i i kind of like to end it on like um kind of the fat not the fads but obviously this is way before my time but you know you know much about satchel page i mean mean, a a little a little bit yeah i mean he tore up the the you know they called the unfortunately the negro leagues but you know he signed with the Indians when he was 42 years old. Whoa, whoa, whoa! In 1948. Oh yeah, right. He signed with the Cleveland baseball team. <laughs> I thought you were talking about how old he was. Yeah. So in his 40s, he could still play. He went six and one down the stretch, helped them win the pennant. I mean, so it's interesting. And I, I think he, I think he actually played in Major League Baseball into his 50s. And he's one of these guys that just, you know, could do it. So. I don't know. I mean, Father Time catches up with well, Father Time's probably sexist. Time catches up with everybody, and in sports, it catches up with people faster than in other businesses. And sports is probably the only the only occupation I can think of where maybe maybe the military, but where they tell you you've got to retire. You know, I mean, I I was with the public defender's office. No one told me I had to retire. We we had attorneys there in their seventies, and they may not have been very good, but it's harder than hell to get rid of them, and they still did their thing. But in sports, you know, you lose a few miles in your fastball. I mean, I remember there was a funny story about Connie Hawkins, one of my favorite players. And, you know, he was just – he was this guy who was just phenomenal. All his best years were in the ABA. He finally came to the Phoenix Suns, I think, in 69 or 70 and was just great. But he was he was kind of a shell of himself. And he played a number of years. But towards the end, you know, he had a dunk and it kind of went off the rim. And he was like, yeah, the Hawk just can't fly no more. And, you know, he he was just hanging on. He, he was old. And getting back to that, you know – it's sad to to think about, uh, kind of get back my theme, you know, Muhammad Ali was arguably the best fighter ever. And pre-prison, he was untouchable. You know, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. He was bigger, faster, strong, these guys. He was probably about 70% when he fought Frazier. Now, I, I love Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier was a great fighter, great Philadelphia fighter, you know, tough as nails. 
but he was in his prime and Ali wasn't. So the idea that Ali could beat Frazier and Foreman when he was operating at, at a little bit, and, and Foreman's another guy. Foreman came back and won, I think he won the heavyweight title in his mid-40s. So it just, it just is one of these things that I think adds to the mystique and the mysticism of sports that's fun, and you end up with a what-if. So, you know, why did Dave Parker have such a good season at 39 and 33 through 36? He was a bust. Uh, why did George Foreman get knocked out by Ali and Zaire when when later he came back to resoundingly win the world title? It's just it's just crazy and it's fun to see and it's fun to watch. But I will say, you know, in most professions, they don't tell you you can't play anymore. You can you can't practice medicine. You can't practice law. You can't make money. You can't run a business. You know, you do it till you do it. But in sports, boy, the clock's ticking from the day you start the clock is ticking and some guys are better, better at handling it than others. So just to finish it off on my end. So Satchel Paige made the all-star team in 1952 and 53 as a member of the St. Louis Browns, which of course would become the Baltimore Orioles. And then in 1965, so 12 years later at the age of 58, he came back and appeared in a single game and he pitched three innings and he did not, he gave up a hit and no runs at the age of 58 for the Kansas city A's. And of course he was a longtime Kansas city monarch in the Negro league. So that was Satchel page. And then I, I think you summed it up pretty well just before, which is the thread across all of these guys. They're all intelligent. They all understand what it takes to do what they do and for the ones that have a long career and don't take care of themselves it just goes to show you how phenomenal and how even further the gap is between their athletic ability and the average person it's kind of the scalabrini line right i'm a lot closer to lebron than you are to me kind of situation and it just goes to show that the guys that can put those things together and work really hard. The work ethic, I think, is one of the things that I always used to tell my kids. It's like, look, there might be somebody smarter than you. There might be somebody that has more skill than you do. There might be somebody that is just better at something than you are. But the one thing that you can control is you can outwork them and you can outwork anybody. That's the only thing that you can control. But when you got the guy that is the best of the best and he's outworking you, <laughs> you got you you, you you just got to tip your hat and say, all right, buddy, good on you. Thank you very much for teaching me that it's a humbling experience. And I think that's the okay, that's OK is learning that humbling experience because you can't always be the best, but you could always control, you know, how you approach things. So that's how I look at it. And all these guys that lasted a long time. You know, I used to think, yeah, you should hang them up. And now I think, man, hey, if you can keep going, keep going. Yeah, and you got you got to assume they like it, what they're doing also, because, I mean, you know, I mean, LeBron obviously doesn't need the money. He's a billionaire. And, you know, it's just one of those things. So they, they do for a lot of reasons. I, I assume most of them are internal. Most of them are some drive they have that, that separates them from everyone else. I mean. I assume all the professional athletes are A-type people that, you know, that that really are competitive and want to do it. But even among those people, there's some people that are even more competitive and keep it going. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's fun to see. It's fun to watch. It's, it's, you know, fun to see guys in the beginning of their career to wonder if they're going to make it. And then, of course, you know, 
the 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 intangibles of of you know Gail Sayers, right? You know, he's running ball one day, next thing his knees out, his his career is shot down. A lot of young guys, you know, don't make it from for injuries or other reasons. But yeah, I I think the super seniors we talk about, I think they deserve a tip of the hat, and it's nice it's nice to. One of the things I like about sports is it's all relatable. And when you see someone working that hard at that age and doing their thing, it it, it rubs off. And and, and I, I don't work anymore. Well, I've got a part-time job, but I, I don't work that much. But, you know, it's the idea that, yeah, you you can get it done. You, you know, age is a number. And these guys showed every day. And I, I, I was I was shocked by uh, your numbers on Brady. I, I knew he was good this last couple of years, but that's amazing. And, you know, that that is that's a testament to his his I think more than anything is a testament to his his intelligence and his work ethic. And it's just it's just pretty amazing. So anyways, fun topic. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm uh, I'm Steve. I got nothing else today. And I'm Jonathan. And I promise I will have an extra time show just on Austin Reeves. And even if that's only a show for one person, one of our favorite fans out there, we appreciate you listening, even though that I get a couple shots in on Reeves every now and then. Alrighty guys, we appreciate it so much more to follow on our listener party. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. I'm Jonathan. I'm Steve. Good night, everybody.